0: Hi, I'm Hallie, and I'm here to welcome you to The Odd Life that's spelled A-W-E-D, which stands for Awake, Well, and Empowered. You see, I feel that women who are living odd have such important stories that need to be heard so they can inspire us to find our own oddness. I want this to be a space where you come to laugh, cry, feel inspired, and most of all, feel more connected to yourself and the women in this odd life community. I'll be talking with women who are practitioners, authors, experts, entrepreneurs, creatives, coaches, philanthropists, and so many more, as well as doing solo casts to bring you what you need when you need it. No matter where you are on your journey in this life, why not go through it odd AF? Again, I'm your host Hallie, and this is the Odd Life Podcast. Hi everyone, Itali. How are you? I am coming to you today with a solo episode. This is the last in our series of books that will change your life. This is number four. And I, I just want to preface that I'm I'm sharing these books because they were so pivotal in some rapid growth for me and uh, personal development and really seeing life differently in a really good way. And i feel like if you are just now embarking on a path to living more awake, well, and empowered, these books are super, super helpful to get you going. And so I think that they're important to introduce to you beginning of this journey together. So that way you can start using them in your own daily practices and your own life and uh, can hopefully then relate to a lot of the things that are coming up because you now see things a little differently. So just like any other product out there that I love, I want to share it with you and tell you all about it. Same goes for these books. They're just, they are just—they were just really helpful for me. and I think they can help you too. Moving on. The book I'm talking about is The Way of Integrity by Martha Beck. And I actually heard of Martha Beck prior to this. Martha was on a podcast. She was on Beautiful Writers podcast with Linda Silverston. And Martha would kind of pop in and out as a co-host here and there. And I did a little research on her back then. And she was uh, a life coach. She had written a bunch of articles for O Magazine. And actually what I read was that she was actually Oprah's life coach at one time. So she got instant street cred with me by having it on her resume. And this book came across, again, multiple times. Uh, I saw it, I think, in an article and I think I heard about it in a podcast. And then my friend Katie Rexing, we were in a, our wellness group chat one time, I think it was last year, uh, about this time actually. And she mentioned that it, it made a huge impact on her. And so I'm like, okay, I got to get this darn book. So started reading it and it actually was super helpful in me kind of figuring out some things and navigating a hard time. And I'll get into it here in a little bit. But so The Way of Integrity is a guidebook basically that Martha's put together. And she uses the framework of Dante's The Divine Comedy as kind of the lessons, the metaphors to use in the teachings. And just to give you a little bit of history, The Divine Comedy is actually a narrative poem that Dante wrote from 1308 to 1321. He passed shortly after he finished it. It's an imagined journey of the afterlife. And he narrates it in different, like there's different stages that he goes through in this afterlife. And just to give you a little little side note here, uh, comedy and literature back then in this time period, was actually literary work that dealt with explaining the beliefs of an ordered universe. It's not the funny ha-ha comedy that we think of today. So saying the divine comedy is not what you're thinking. It's not some slapstick funny poem. It's going to be something that's serious and helping us navigate through information to explain the universe. All right. So I just want to clarify that. And she uses this piece of literature because it was a guide for herself years ago. And she thinks it's really actually a really great set of instructions to help like heal psychological wounds, to help get us back to integrity and to level up our capacity just to feel good. In a nutshell, this book is about leading us out of misery and into happiness. And it's, again, based on his writing, but retold and reframed with Martha's guidance. It's given to us in four stages. So stage one is the dark wood of error stage two is Inferno, stage three is purgatory, and stage four is paradise. So we've got this journey that we're going to go on in this book. And the very beginning, what she says is to be an in integrity is to be one thing, whole and undivided. So it's really about getting back to your whole self, to who you are. That's what leads us into the stage one is this dark wood of error is that we don't have that feeling of being whole. We are lost in the woods, basically. It's that feeling of being out of alignment, like we're headed down the wrong path. So how did we arrive in this dark wood of error? this air, this space where we feel lost? It's explained that a lot of the time it is because we are doing things we think we're supposed to do, what we should do, maybe what our parents wanted us to do, what our spouse expects of us. Maybe we're, we know we're filling a role that society things we should have, cultural norms, doing things for approval, all of that. And she said something in the beginning here that I thought was really important to share is that being good and feeling good are two different things. And that is so flippin' true. Because you do all these things that you think are, you know, you're being a good girl. You go to class, you go to college, you get the straight A's, you get the job, you, you know, follow the path that everybody else is following. And you end up miserable somehow. And you're like, how am I miserable? I did all the right things, right? Quote unquote, right things. And I think that's true for so many of us because we're just like, what? This is the way it's supposed to be and we're not happy. Why is it we're not happy? So There's this feeling of lost, right? We feel purposeless. So here's a symptom or a feeling that you may have if you are in this dark wood of air, as Dante puts it, and Martha explains, is that we spend maybe some time trying to achieve something, whether it's a promotion, maybe it's a gold medal, maybe it is having a good marriage, these are all things that were deemed important or having a sense of purpose in our culture. And we spend all this time working on these things and doing them. And then we achieve them quote unquote achieve them. And we still feel empty. We still feel lost. Okay. Maybe that's not it. So then we go after something else. We do the, the next thing and we work our butts off to get that. And then again, we come up empty. Like this doesn't feel right. What's wrong. So we work on all these things and, uh, they're not fulfilling us. And I can, I related to this because I, I stayed home to raise my kids. I had worked in a job out of college that was just a job, got any job, get anything that helped pay the rent and did that for, I think it was like six and a half years and I had my daughter. And I knew that we were going to have another child soon and what it ended up being, what it was going to look like. Cause I was going to end up basically working to pay for childcare breaking even. And I wasn't that happy in my job to want to stick around in that. So I ended up staying home. And actually around that time too, 9-11 had happened. And it was just really important for me to be around my kids. I just felt like I'm missing out on some important time. And it just really kind of hit me that I just wanted to be there to raise my kids. But at that same time, I felt like it wasn't all that I wanted to do. I didn't know what else, but that just wasn't all of it. So I wandered around quite a long time, feeling lost. Another symptom you may be feeling if you're in this space is emotional misery. So in this divine comedy, while he's in this dark wood of error, um, all these beasts attack him along the path, each one representing different emotional states. And so she says in the book, whatever your repeated or persistent negative emotions are, try thinking of them as Dante's wild beasts, whose job it is, is to make your life unbearable, when you stray from your true path. And again, that was something that also hit me was like, oh my gosh, think about that. Like if we use these, it's like a prod, right? All these negative emotions are happening. They're there to tell us you are not going the right direction. You're miserable. You're unhappy. You're sad. You're depressed. You're not on the right path. Keep moving. Go back this way. And I think for so long that I looked at having these negative emotions as just part of who I was and they weren't because of something, but they're just my natural state or the thing I just had to deal with or whatever. It wasn't something that I didn't realize it was, could be a, a sign that I was not heading in the right direction. So that again was a little ding, ding, ding. That made sense. And I put that in my back pocket to remember for down the road. Another symptom that you're lost in this dark wood is that you have physical deterioration. There's actually research that shows that there are links between living in harmony with our truth and good health. Um, there's a field of medicine actually called psychoneuroimmunology and it focuses on how psychological stress like lying, keeping secrets, living out of alignment, how they contribute to lots of illnesses like increased heart rates and blood pressure, high levels of stress hormones. High levels of cholesterol and glucose levels, and then reduced immune responses. So it comes down to is this level of concealment of our authentic and true selves equals our level of illness. Thought that was super interesting. I mean, how many times have we, you know, been sick? And if you look back at that time in your life, was there something that didn't feel right internally? Also, like just you didn't feel in alignment, you were disconnected from your job you weren't happy in other things. Like we all know that stress can cause illness. We all know that um, a lot of emotions are get wrapped up into our body. This is just a nice reminder. This is just a reminder that yes, that's absolutely true. There's actually a a field of medicine on this. Again, psychoneuroimmunology. Other symptom that may be going on is that you have consistent relationship failures. And this is again, another great little tidbit she shared is that if you don't walk a true path, you don't find your true people. A connection will be artificial, guaranteed. And I thought about a lot of the people I used to hang out with years ago, and I would sit and I would hold back an opinion. I would think back on, gosh, I don't agree with that, and but not say anything. Just a lot of things. It would feel in conflict with who I was and I didn't say anything. And then I wonder why I didn't have a lot of close friends. Maybe there's some stuff I just didn't relate to or didn't connect with. Because I wasn't on my true path. I wasn't speaking my truth. I wasn't saying the things that were important to me. I wasn't, you know, living the way that I felt inside. So I totally got that part. So maybe in your life, you are having maybe consistent career failures. Um, You know, that all of a sudden they get thrown into a role that's they're hiring and firing people, they're having to set up budgets, they're attending a ton of meetings, all these other things that go along with all of a sudden management. And now they're miserable, and they're not doing a great job. And so they have to quit, or they're going to get fired or whatever. But that's kind of what's expected, right? You go into this job, you should want the promotion, right? You move up. But maybe that's not you know, what they really want. Maybe they just like being out there and like selling and that's just the, what they're great at. But it's always expected of you to like, okay, take the promotion. You're the highest grossing salesperson out there. Obviously you got to be the next manager for sure. But not everyone's built to be that, you know, and we just follow along the role because that's what's expected of us. That happens in a lot of different industries and in a lot of different companies and, and growth paths and in, in you know, the corporate world. And, that's not always the right path for everybody. And so maybe that's what's happening. There's a lot of looks like career failures. And you quit the job and then you go to the next company because you're thinking, okay, it wasn't the right fit. The my, you know, my VP didn't understand me. And then you go to the next company and it happens all over again. So maybe that's something you can relate to. Uh, maybe there's bad habits you can't break. We end up, there's like, you know, a lot of different things: smoking, drinking, gambling, binge eating, social media scrolling. You name it. We can do all these things, these bad habits that, again, could always lead to addictions as well. But we're using these things to help us try and find moments of happiness, pleasure, whatever we can, you know, wherever we can find it, because we're so miserable and lost that any moment of happiness or numbing is better than feeling the sense of being lost in our lives. So we, you know, do things to try and just give us some kind of happiness in the moment. Her suggestion to help start down the path of getting out of this dark place is actually just acknowledging our truths, saying them out loud. So the exercise at at the end of this chapter was actually just to write down or talk about or say the things. I don't like the way my life is going. I'm sad. I'm angry. I'm not at peace. I can't find my people. I need help. Those kinds of things. Whatever your truth is, write it down, say it out loud, Whatever. And it helps you acknowledge the fact that you're not happy. And this is why. So it's like, you know, opening the door or, or taking a step towards the right path. But it takes that one first step to do that. And this is the first step she, she she shares. And the next part of the poem, Dante talks about seeing this mountain rising out of the dark forest. It's bathed in sunlight. He thinks, oh, this is definitely the way out. the mountain, as Martha explains it represents all of the ways we can be better, like as our culture expects. So we try and chase after things we think we want. And it's usually what money, possessions, you know, to look a certain way, achievements, whatever. And it's all shaped by culture, not our true nature, our true selves. And what she says is our true selves actually are pure nature. Like your true nature, it loves things and their capacity to bring us genuine delight. Like it loves play, Friends, physical contact, sunlight, water, laughter, the smell of trees, a good night of deep sleep. Those are what we actually love and seek, but we have been told that's not enough. We need to seek more. And sometimes we feel like we're climbing this mountain, always, always, always climbing for something else and climbing for success. And we achieve something. Let's say you get that promotion. And you have this job and you're like, oh, I'm not really happy. This isn't it. Uh, or maybe, you know, uh, you get the gold medal. And now that you've gotten the gold medal, you still don't feel fulfilled. This isn't. This wasn't it. And she said the thing that really struck me. Uh, she said the problem isn't how hard you're working. It's that you're working on things that aren't right for you. And that is where this climb, this frustration we have on this mountain is constantly trying to find the things they are going to fulfill us. And they're always false things because there are things that maybe the culture has told us we should go after. And this is the kind of the the pivotal point of, okay, then if that's not it, what is, right? And as a stay-at-home mom for many years, I felt that I, I had a lot of shame around not contributing to the family financially. I felt very less than, like I should be doing something any job. I was definitely encouraged to take anything rather than what I wanted. And I thought I'd found something. I had a really loaded product that I used a lot. I was like enamored with it. I still use it today. Uh at the time, I was telling friends about it. Oh my gosh, this is so great. You need to try this out. And there came an opportunity to turn this into a business. And as soon as I did that, it all changed. Uh, I was stressed. I felt a lot of shame. Uh, I didn't feel authentic. But I was going to keep working harder until I made a success of it, I told myself. And this is, that was my Mount delectable. I was trying to find a way to make money, help my family. And um, it wasn't the right thing. But then I did find writing. And writing was actually a very rewarding thing. I ended up stopping that for a while um, for publication because I wrote a small, very small market and the small market did not pay well at all. And it was a lot of grind for not a lot of money. And it was just giving me a lot of, a lot of stress. So I needed to move on from the small market, but, um, I understood this perfectly for my own life. I also had something else I used to do. I would, um, I would overspend uh, money to try and feel a certain way. I try and feel like free and unrestricted. I would scroll social media to try and find connections. I, Said so yes, to things that would, I again, like I said, had the potential to make me money all the while hating the hustle, hating that feeling. And she said something to the fact, anything we do solely to influence others rather than express our true nature is a hustle. So how many of us, are you know, see social media, right? It's all a hustle. A lot of times until you show up authentically and say exactly what you want to say and look the way you want to look. And not give two shits of what culture or society thinks you should be saying or doing. That's a hustle. And that's sometimes why I pull back from it. Because I feel like, or like you know, doing reels. That's a damn hustle. And that's exhausting. So I, I tend to refuse to do it. Unless for some reason I got a really fun idea to do a reel. I'm not doing it just for the sake of doing it. There's, that's a, just an example of how we let culture determine our actions a lot of times. So the book really started to encourage me to make a differentiation between things I did from integrity and things I did to conform with this cultural hustle. So I, you know, there's these questions she has you ask, like, am I hanging with people I don't enjoy? Am I doing things I don't enjoy? What are things I'm doing out of fear? And like, if I didn't do them, my value might lower in someone else's eyes. Where in my life am I pretending to be happier? So a lot of that is kind of figuring out your hustle. Where are you showing up? Not your authentic self. And I think those questions are really helpful to figure that out. So we abandon this climbing of Mount delectable. So now what do we do? And this is where she introduces um, where our soul teachers come in and soul teachers, who they are, someone who will draw your attention in a way that makes you feel inwardly driven, not dazed by powerful marketing. Uh, People come into our lives. You know, either by a series of coincidences. Um, I've had many. I've had my friend Katie Denouden, uh, who I had in the podcast. I've had Katie Rexing, who I had in the podcast. Um, podcasts. Those are my soul teachers. Books, honestly, uh, are my soul teachers. So they are people and things that can help us find our inner guidance. It's our, you know, our true self is our integrity, and when we connect with these soul teachers. Um, we know it's the right thing when we think and hear and understand something that is deeply true. Like it rises up in like this great, like resonance. All of a sudden we feel this feeling of this feels so right And the way of integrity is simply to to listen to this voice, to sustain this feeling as continuously as we can, this feeling of this feels right. And that's, that's like literally following the way of integrity. That's it in a nutshell. And she said that our body's reaction at recognizing truth is actually relaxation and our mind's reaction, our light bulb moments and like puzzle pieces come together and our heart's reaction is like a flower opening up. I really, really got that. Like that is something that I don't think I realized at the time, but the more I've paid attention to that, it's like the breadcrumbs, right? It's the, okay, that's a breadcrumb because my body's relaxed. Okay, that's a breadcrumb because my mind is like going, "Ah, oh, I got it. You know, I understand it. It's that aha moment." Or my heart's like, "Oh, this feels so good." And that's, you know, those are your breadcrumbs. Those are like, that's the path to follow and stay on. And this is something else that was really important about the book cuz she talks about soul teachers how they pull us towards the gates out of the dark woods and <laughs> It's the last thing you want to do and deal with, but the, on these, it's these gates, that are, these are called these do not mention zones. They are the things we don't want to talk about, but they are exactly what we need to talk and think about because it's the next step towards integrity. And these do not mention zones, these things are things that make us irritable, that make us anxious, uncomfortable, whatever. It's, these are like the gates to our hell. And we have to kill this cowardice before we can move forward. You don't have to figure out your whole life right now. Just take one step towards the gate by identifying some things you do not want to think about. And at that time, I'm going to be super transparent here, is that it was my marriage. I was going through a really tough time. I felt super disconnected with my husband. And I think it stemmed from, I just, there's a lot of things I was changing in my life and things I was seeing differently. And I wasn't sharing a whole lot with him. I wasn't speaking up and telling him how I was feeling, what I was seeing, what I was trying to understand. I was kind of trying to do it all my own. And I felt like a very, very different person from the person he married. And I was scared, honestly. I was scared that had I changed too much, are we no longer compatible? I was starting to kind of do a little freak out. Um, like okay, I, well, I wasn't drinking anymore. I wasn't a hundred percent sober, but I was like pff, once a quarter, maybe. Um, So there's like that kind of stuff. And I I started to speak up more. I started saying no to things I didn't want to go do and people I didn't want to hang out with. And he was having a hard time understanding it, but we just avoided the conversation. Honestly, we both did really. And I realized I had to have this tough conversation. I had to tell him how I was feeling. And this book honestly pushed me to do that. I was like, this is a do not mention zone, but I have got to go down this path. I'll never forget. It. I had been upstairs. I was really stressed, really, I uh, just really worried. And I'd gone upstairs to meditate and I was up there. I ended up crying in my meditation and I came out and he was there and he said, you okay? I'm like, no, I'm really not. And he was actually getting ready to walk out the door to go to the gym. My son was home and uh, he's like, do you want to talk? I'm like, not right now. You go do your thing, go do your workout, and we'll talk when you get back. He told me, He's like, I was so freaked out driving away from the house. Like, what in the hell am I going to come back to? And our son had gone to with friends that evening. So we sat down and I told him how I felt about everything and my worries and how I felt like I had changed. And I was worried he wasn't changing. And so we were going to be incompatible and all this stuff. And by talking about it and sharing what I was going through, we had the best conversation and he understood and he felt this and he told me how he was feeling and it was a great conversation. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, the thing that I was so like, I thought it was gonna be so hard and so scary. It wasn't, it was just scary because I built up this thing in my head that it was going to be this horrible conversation and who knows where it would go. And I don't know if I would have had this conversation if I hadn't read this book. It came out to be one of the best things that ever happened to our marriage. So she says, when we drop the resistance to whatever's happening right now, we are always able to cope. And that is hundred percent presence is what integrity offers us. When we stop the denial process, a lot of times, you know, we are so worried about the future and thinking about all the things, the scary things that could be happening. And instead we're just missing out and just not by not living in the present, we are going to be maybe going down the wrong path. Actually, Martha shares a quick meditation at the end of this chapter that thing is super helpful, really easy to adopt. Um, I'll share it with you real quick. It's on the inhale. You think the words, or you can say them out loud whatever. I allow everything in the universe to be as it is in this moment. And then on the exhale, you think I surrender all resistance to the universe being as it is in this moment. And then you do the inhale. I allow exhale. I surrender. And then you repeat the practice and you'll start to notice that you start to feel better. That thing that you worried about or that you were denying was in existence is starting to no longer bother you because you're allowing it to happen. You're allowing it to be present. It's not going to kill you, right? It's just the thing that's happening. And this kind of leads us into stage two, this inferno. We get to the gates of hell and this is our suffering, Uh, She says our worst psychological suffering comes from thoughts that we genuinely believe while simultaneously knowing they aren't true. So believing things that aren't true for us at the deepest level is the commonest way in which we lose our integrity. This is where we have suffering and it's a signal that we're like basically being torn apart and that we need to locate and heal these inner like breakages, these rifts that we have like for me, there were thoughts like, no one loves me. I'm not smart enough. I'm not a good enough writer. I'm not this, you know, whatever. There's a lot of things. I'm not that. And the three things she shares we must do is we observe the suffering. We question each belief that traps us in misery, and then we move on. So the observation. So she says to observe the thoughts that we're having, making us suffer. But then we observe our surroundings. Like you notice the birds outside. You notice the dogs playing in the yard. You notice the sun shining through the window, the trees blowing in the wind. And this paying attention to other things that are really going on helps us restructure the brain because we're turning into actually what's happening rather than all these thoughts we're telling ourselves that really aren't happening. Like we're looking for the things that are true. And this reminds me of kind of the gratitude practice. Like you Start paying attention to the things that are actually happening that you're grateful for. And when you have this gratitude practice or this noticing of the things around you, you're paying attention to the things that are real, that are good, and not the things that we're thinking that could happen or this potential or whatever that cre- creates a suffering. And then she has us um, write down reasons why these beliefs that are making us suffer may not be true. So she says, this is a a super easy thing is like, whenever we have this, like this thought, this hell thought, it's as easy as asking yourself, are you sure? Like, that's it. Are you sure that's the truth? Are you sure that's real? Are you sure that's the thing that's really bothering you? I mean, that's so easy. (laughs) Like, Are you sure your boss hates you? Are you sure your spouse is cheating on you? Are you sure? Like just, you know, asking yourself these questions. And not that I think my husband was cheating. I mean, I just was pulling things out of the air. You know what I mean? Like, those are the things we're thinking about, like, it causes torment and suffering. And you're like, hold on, why are we thinking that? Is that really, you think that's the truth? And we have to acknowledge that these fears, these thoughts are toxic. And if they're no longer true, we are letting them go. And she says something to think about, like, back when you were a kid, to give yourself proof that the things you're thinking about don't come true, is to go back and think about your younger self and the things we had, the fears we had back then, like, there's a boogeyman lives under my bed. Or, you know, we'd go to the lake and I always thought something lurking under the water was going to drag me down. You know, those things never actually happened. So you can go back and tell your child, you know, your inner child, like 100%, I know these fears will never be realized. These are not true. And you can tell, you know, yourself as your future self, these fears will not happen. And you do it over and over again until those beliefs go away. So I did this, I mentioned this in the last book that I read, um, uh, about breaking the habit of being yourself with Joe Dispenza, kind of the same theory is that you have got these, you know, I had these fears of failing at yet another thing in my life. And I had these limiting beliefs, uh, about myself and my worthiness and all this. Um, and I had to go back and tell myself, you know, look at the things I did, I did do, you know, the things I succeeded at. I learned how to write articles for publication. I learned how to create a website, um, Heck, I went back all the way to college when I became, I had become rush chair for my sorority. And I completely changed the whole rush process we had done for years. And I changed the entire theme and we had new decorations and new skits and all everything. I, I did that. I had the balls to do that, I guess. I don't know. And then I helped create this podcast. And now I've got that, that I can add to the list of things that I have accomplished. So I am squashing these limiting beliefs because I've got proof that I can do these things. It's about going back and finding evidence to contradict the doubts we have about our abilities. And then she goes into stage three, it's just purgatory. Um, And this stage is about telling the truth. Uh, this is kind of what I did with my husband. I, I, you know, had to tell him how I was feeling. And now again, like I said, things are so much better. He knows how I feel. I know how he feels. We no longer hold back. We share our truth with each other. Um, You know, when we're struggling, we're, you know, having a tough time, we don't hold back. And it's scary. And she talks about her own story, about her telling the truth in her own life. And it's a pretty big truth that she had to tell. Uh, Her story is pretty compelling about a lot of things. Uh, But when she started telling the truth, even though it ruffled a lot of feathers and and there's a lot of damage that came with it, but she internally felt so much more like herself and she was going down the right path because she was telling the truth. Um, and so she says, do and say whatever feels in harmony in your body, mind, heart, and soul. You'll know the truth by the sense of solid alignment that comes with it. Even though it may be scary to tell the truth, by not telling the truth, you're driving a, a kind of a bigger wedge within yourself, honestly, and you're never going to be happy. I mean, it's the truth of who we really are and what really what we really want. And we're going to have people in our lives that are probably going to disapprove What Dante says in his Purgatory is that he says it's disordered love when we feel loyal to people and ideas that don't match our inner truth. But when we submit to the truth, rather than what we know, what we think, culture tells us to believe, we start to have more of a sense of peace, and that's so so important to have that peace within ourselves. And she said something else that made an impact on me. It's like allow time to grieve because you're saying goodbye to an old life, you're saying goodbye to familiar patterns and dysfunctional relationships. It's going to be weird for a while. And I'm still, honestly, this sounds weird, but I'm grieving about, about not drinking it, How's, how it's changed my life because it's ended a lot of relationships. And I, I know I mentioned this a lot, but I just, it's relevant to how I'm feeling right now. I feel so much more peace and in alignment with myself when I consider myself quote unquote sober and it's worth it. So if I've let go of people or if they've let go of me because I don't drink, you know, that's part of the grieving process. And it sucks. But I would never want to go back to my old life the way I used to live. No way. Not, not a chance. That means I had to, you know, be left out of things, then so be it. This is where I think I tend to feel the most empowered because when I don't, when I don't go along with the crowd, I don't agree on everything or I choose a different path. I feel like I'm I'm becoming my own rescuer. I am my own coach. I'm not waiting for someone to give me permission to do something or waiting for someone to join me before I go down a path. I'm doing it myself. And that means I'm listening to my own, my own voice, my inner teacher, and I'm acting in integrity. And it's something really important to note too is that not everything has to be a, you know, big dramatic shift. It doesn't have to be this, all right, I'm going to stop all of these things. We can actually have a positive transformation more quickly, she says, if we do it in small steps rather than big leaps. Because every single choice is a chance to turn towards the life you really want. And this kind of reminded me of the book, Atomic Habits. Um, He mentions being better 1% each day, and you'll exponentially be like where you want to be because the effects of your habits multiply as you repeat them, yada, yada. And after a while, these small steps will have turned us in the direction that would have looked overwhelming before. we take a small step, it's actually going to be a lot easier to stay on that path. So I'm giving myself some grace these days because I thought I had to do these big changes. And I'm realizing it's just the small stuff is just as important as the big stuff. So that was really impactful for me as well. So now we get to stage four, paradise. And Martha says something that was really important for me to hear. She says, as we make our one degree turn towards our own happiness, we will stop being part of humanity's problems and become part of the solution. Rather than keep climbing Mount delectables and contributing to the collective stress, worry, depression, oppression, addiction, physical illness, and any other social, you know, any other ailment we have going on right now, we start by making changes at the individual level. So when I follow my own way of integrity, what I say and do will affect the people around me. And as those people change, the shifts they make in their lives will affect people in their lives. And this is how we change the world. And it starts with my integrity. I know that I've sat and thought about all the wrongs that are happening in the world and how we feel, can feel so helpless, but we make the little changes to feel more in tune with ourselves and more down the right path and more, you know, in our own integrity, it will impact people around us. And then they'll impact people around them. It's the ripple effect. And I love that. So this is why I think this book is fantastic. It helps us see all the little things we can start doing to find our true selves, our path, the right way to living for us, not according to culture or society or whatever else, and to be you know brave to find that and to seek that. And if we do that, the world will be better off by each of our actions. So With that, I highly recommend reading The Way of Integrity by Martha Beck. I have linked it in the show notes, and I'm sure there's an audiobook version as well if that's your jam. All right, everyone, thanks a lot for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you again for being here. I am so grateful for your time. And if you liked what you heard, please head to where you listen to podcasts, rate and review so we can be found by other people please share on Instagram, your social media channels, wherever else you go so we can reach as many people as possible so they can meet these amazing women and hear these conversations. If you'd like to connect further, you can find me over at my website at hallysawyer.com or on Instagram. I'm usually going to be at uh, Hallie underscore Sawyer or The Odd Life, which is this podcast specific Instagram account. All right. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you soon.